Welcome to Tal's Tips, an empowerment podcast where we explore coaching topics such as mindfulness, mindset, motivation, and everything in between. Join me, Talia Mervash, every week as I interview successful humans who are business owners, coaches, educators, leaders, and creators. We will connect on life's challenges, relationships, and most of all, purpose. Through this podcast, we will find out the tips and tricks that worked for these inspiring individuals and how they live their life in alignment with their purpose. These conversations will hopefully empower you to explore your own passions and hire a coach of your own one day. Each episode is filled with intuitive wisdom that will get you fired up to live the life of your dreams. Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to another and seriously another amazing episode of Tal's Tips Empowerment Podcast. I know I say this about every single episode, but honestly, this episode is going to make you want to work with your hands, do something creative, and go back to the lost arts that we do not do in this modern day and age. I want to welcome a very special guest and someone who is just the most creative human that is going to really change your life today. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Emmeline Leiden. Emmeline Leiden is a lifelong artist, musician, dancer, teacher, and entrepreneur. She is from the mountains of North Carolina and grew up on a sheep farm. She learned at a very young age from her mother how to turn the wool into sweaters, mittens, hats, and more. At the John C. Campbell Folk School near her home, Emmeline went on to study numerous art forms such as knitting, spinning, natural dyeing, quilting, pottery, drawing, painting, 3D mixed media, paper making, stained glass, metal smithing, enameling, photography, cooking, Appalachian clogging, fiddle playing, and more. She has a bachelor's in American studies with a minor in creative writing from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Culture, heritage, and craft has always interested her. This passion has taken her around the world and back again. She studied in London and Denmark, taught English in Spain, backpacked through Europe and Scandinavia, volunteered in India and Nicaragua, performed around the country, and taught workshops for kids and adults in urban and rural communities. Emmeline combined her passion for traveling and fiber arts by starting her business, The Roving Knitter, a handmade knitwear business focusing on supporting small farmers and fiber producers. Her knitwear line explores concepts of slow fashion, sustainability, creativity, and function. Her fibers are also acrylic-free, aka plastic-free, so they are not harmful to the environment or our bodies. Emmeline works as an art advocate and educator. She hopes to enliven traditions that some pose to be dying out and bring old world skills back to our modern lives so that we can feel the magic from making things with our own hands. Amazing. I cannot wait to dive in and for you to hear this episode. It is truly amazing and inspiring. Let's dive in with Emmeline. Hello. 
Hello, Emmalyn. I am so excited to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I know we've we've kind of talked about this for a little while and now it's finally here. So I'm just so excited to have you here. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. I've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> yay, yay. I know. And it's it's so interesting because I, you know, I know you, but not really. Like we We've connected through Kathy Heller's Made to Do This. And since then, that was what, four or five months ago now? And then it'll be six months when this episode airs. So we've known each other for half a year already. And it's just, it's interesting because now knowing who you are and reading your bio and getting the chance to talk to you, I'm like, this is an honor. Like, seriously, you are the most well-rounded individual I've ever met. And you just have so much creativity and like art and love in you. And I just can't wait to like learn more because you're the type of person that I feel like deserves this attention more than anybody else because you have all of these skills and we will get into all of them. Hopefully we might not have enough time to get into all of the skills that you have, but there are a lot. And I just want to pick your brain and like learn what, whatever you can teach us today and share with our audience, you know, your story and just really understanding like who you are, what's going on in your world and sharing with us any wisdom that you have about following your passions because you have a lot and I can't wait to just hear about it. So start off, just, you know, just tell the world who you are. I know I, I read your bio before this episode started, but like as far as you, like who is sitting in front of me and who is in their ears right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am Emmalyn Lydon. And my name is spelled E-M-O-L-Y-N. So I started off the bat with um, something I had to stand up for, which mm. was pronouncing my name to people. Oh, girl, join the club. Me yes, too. exactly. So um, I was very shy and still am in a lot of ways, but I had to stand up and be like, nope, my name is Emmalyn. It's not Evelyn. It's not Emily. It's not any of those things. And um, I think that really helped with just that formation of a backbone for yourself. Yeah. Um, so, and I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina and my family goes back um, now with my nephews, we've been there seven generations. Wow. And so, um, there's a lot of love that I have for that part of the United States, the Smoky mountains. Um, and we grew up on a sheep farm. So my mom, she is, um, somebody, she's a storyteller and an artist. And she, um, so I've had stories in my life, my mm -hmm. whole life. And she told a story about uh, packing up the car. She had two kids. I was not born yet. And they were in West Virginia. And she had a really strong drive to move home. She just felt it. And she was, you know, starting a new family with two little kids. And the way she tells the story is that she packed up the car with the babies and um, with her clothes and with all the food she had canned in canning jars for the season and the checkbook. And she told my dad, I'm moving. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, okay, I'm coming too, you know, because <laughs> um, at that time they were both looking for jobs and working, you know, doing all kinds of different things. And I think he had a job that he was traveling a lot. He worked for land conservation and working on protecting the mountains and 
um, from coal mining and clear cutting and he was away a lot. And so my mom was just like, well, I guess this is my chance to make a decision for me and the kids and the family. And so um, they came back down to Murphy, North Carolina, which is in the, in the mountains right mm -hmm. there at the uh, border of North Carolina, Tennessee and Georgia. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I, and I feel so connected to you, not because I'm near mountains. I mean, Charlotte is kind of, but not really. And when you go up to like West Jefferson and Boone, I, I did grow up there with my grandma and she had a house and it was just so natural and primal. And I feel like that's where a lot of your skills come into play. Like, I, I feel like all, everything that you do or have done in your life kind of goes back to your your childhood so that's really awesome that your mom had that courage to like go back home and be around the world that she wanted to be around you know like we forget that we can make that decision we are free to make that decision and go where we feel called to go physically or figuratively right exactly yeah. and a lot of times we're trying to make decisions within um, with within, right? So we have a decision that we already know is in our heart, but we're saying, well, I'd still need to check the city or I still need to check like indeed.com or I still need to check um, what the market and the economy is doing, things like that. But something that as, as you know, we grow and we're looking for work, um, a lot of people are like, well, the job's in Chicago, so I'm going to Chicago or it's in San Francisco, so I'm going to San Francisco. But another way that, you know, a lot of these things that I'll be saying, I'll probably mention my mom and my dad a lot because my mom would say, well, why not try it the other way around where you pick the place and then you see what work needs to be done. Love that. And that, that's so non-traditional, you know, like we in our American society anyway, are just so like, and this comes back to every episode I talked about with other people is like, hustle, hustle, just go where the job is, make the money, retire, get the security and the savings and make sure you're good. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Why don't we feel how it feels? <laughs> what do we want? Ask ourselves, reflect on that. And then, yeah, go where we want to go and then make do with that area. And that's, that's the part we all struggle with. I feel like it's, it's scary to do that because it's not the traditional or normal thing to do or safe thing to do, I guess mm -hmm. I should say, mm -hmm. but you, I mean, you have a lot of experience with those, like those hands-on skills and those even just fun skills. So just tell us a little bit about like everything. I mean, <laughs> I know you went to that school, John C. Campbell at folk school, and that is amazing. I didn't even know those existed, to be honest with you. Like I was uh, not around things like that. So that just tell us about that experience. I would love to just know everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the folk school is the John C. Campbell folk school, um, is named after John C. Campbell, who was, um, all of Dame Campbell's husband and, um, he passed away. And so she decided to name the school after him but really she was a driving force behind it along with her friend, Marguerite Butler. And so they started the school in 1925. And so if you look parallel across history, all kinds of things were happening at that same time. Um, in the mountains of North Carolina, the Indian removal was, you know, something still very felt in the community. Um, we also had lineages and heritages from Scotland, Ireland, Scandinavia, people who were moving to the mountains to, to live. 
Um, and then in 1925, my grandmother was born. So she was a wee lass. Um, so I, um, I've always kind of thought like what was happening at that time when I think back at the school. And here comes somebody like Olive Dame Campbell, who was a researcher with her husband too, and a connector. And they started traveling the mountains, seeing if once again, if there was any work to be done. And they realized that people were making a lot of things. They were carving wood, they were making their homes, they were making their gardens. They were isolated in different communities and they were really sharing amongst each other when they could. Um, and so, this idea happened and it was to start a school where um, people could come together and learn community values and um, life skills. It's gone through a lot of evolutions. So we have the folk school for what it is today. Um, I think it's the oldest folk school in the country. The term um, folk school behind it is, is one of the oldest. And through the evolution, they had a cannery where you could bring vegetables and share the kitchen. They had a creamery. Um, they had a big community garden. They had uh, like back to the land skill type things. Now in this modern version, it's a class setup. So there's a campus and you take a class for a week or a weekend. But the cool thing is, is they drew from um, Scandinavian, the tradition in Denmark and I think they have them also in Sweden and Norway and probably all of Scandinavia where it's a non-academic usually and non-competitive learning environment. So it's the place, it's the safe space to say, I don't know how to do this, but I really want to learn. Wow. And so my dad was the development director there and my mom started teaching when I always get this wrong, because I usually say four months, and then she's like, nope, one month. So I think I was one month. Um, and I was in class with her because she agreed to teach the class before I was born. And um, she had me in the room and she was teaching spinning how to make yarn. And she had me in a wind up swing. And this is a story I've heard over and over and over is that she would wind up the swing and I would swing back and forth until it wound down and then the baby would cry and then she'd have to run back over and wind up the swing and keep teaching. Um, so we would spend time with her. I was always watching everything and observing what was happening. And so um, I started learning spinning and knitting at a really young age from her. We grew up on a sheep farm, so we processed the wool and spin it and dye it and knit it. Um, but there was the added element of the folk school and there were all kinds of classes there. Let's just take a quick second to chat about my signature group coaching program, Practice Makes Purpose, or as I like to call it, PMP. PMP is an eight-week group coaching program specifically designed for ambitious women to step into who they were always meant to be. You will be learning and self-discovering alongside like-minded, high-vibe women ready to grow with you. Within this eight weeks, you will let go of limiting beliefs and unnecessary roadblocks, gain confidence in your life's past, present, and future self, as well as translate your passions, talents, and gifts into a purpose-driven life. Not only do you get eight meetings with the group, but you'll also have two private one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with me. You'll also receive an accountability partner as well as action items each week and meet guest speakers. 
As a bonus, you will get two months of complete access to my book club, Unfolding Connections, totally free. We only accept 10 members total to keep it intimate and as personable as possible. And the waitlist is already filling up. If you or someone you know is interested in joining PMP individually or as a partner, email talstips at gmail.com. That's T-A-L-S-T-I-P-S at gmail.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. But you couldn't take a class until you were an adult. Um, You had to be 18. And the one week during the summer for kids was called Little Middle Folk School. And so the littles, you take four classes a day and you rotate between the classes. So you get to sample a lot of different things. And that's how I worked in all of those art mediums because I took it from seven to 17. And then um, when you are 13, the older middles, they take two classes a day. So you get to be in the studios where the adults work and you're hands-on with all the instruments, all the tools. They really try to push you to work with these tools. So you're, you're treated like capable young people. Um, and then in addition to that, they have square dances and contra dances and they have concerts. And so my parents play music. Um, see the guitars in the background. Yeah. Very <laughs> so cool. they, they would ha- play for the square dance and they went until 11 o'clock at night. And so when we were really little, we just had a pallet under the piano. And when we got tired, we just went over there to fall asleep and they'd carry us to the car. <laughs> so we were really there all the time growing up. Wow. That is, that's a childhood if I've ever heard one. I mean, that is full of joy and and music and fun and love. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you, but I always, I wanted to touch everything when I was little. I think every child wants to just touch and learn and absorb all of this beautiful information and instruments for anything. And you were so blessed to have gotten that experience and that opportunity to touch all of those objects and materials. And now you make beautiful, beautiful items for people using the sheep's fur. And that's so cool. I know we talked before because we're in our accountability group together and you were saying how, you know, I could do like a little, like, this is your sheep where your, where your hat came from or wherever. And I'm like, that is the cutest thing. I would totally pay for something like that, where if I knew exactly where it came from, I would, I would give you all my money. You know, I would just be like, here, take it because that is so powerful and you're not hurting anything. You're not, it's just, it's so natural and pure. And I'm so drawn to that in any aspect of life. So that's so awesome. So when let's, let's just kind of go off of that. Like, when did you know that you wanted to start your knitting business and everything, the, the roving knitter, like how did that come into fruition for you? Yeah. Well, a lot of these things, as we both have been saying, one thing will spark another thing and spark another thing. And every once in a while, as we grow up, right, we become discerning, we process information, we do look for permission every once in a while. Um, And I think one of the, the amazing parts of the folk school was that these adults were there to teach, they were usually teaching in their studios or something like that. But it was also an environment 
where they slowed down long enough to talk to you. So if they had busy lives, as we all do, they were on campus that day to be open and to be, to have fun. They were having fun themselves. And so if you came to somebody and you asked a question and and they could tell you were really, really into it, they were just ready to give you an answer and to help out. So that um, intergenerational friendship was there when I was really little and learning little things from people along the way. Um, If I turned around and I was like, oh, I wonder if this could turn into something. I usually could find an example of that in my home community where somebody had a full life around their passion. So I had a lot of examples of that. Um, And also I saw it in my home. So both my parents had jobs But there was a lot of like, if you want to try, let's try. And then the other thing is when you're at a craft school, um, you're making real things and that feeling of bending metal, you know, you, you just come alive in that part of your heart because you're creating something that's going to last forever. And then you put it on your hand and it's a ring and then you're so proud of it. And then somebody says, I like it. And then you say, I made it. <laughs> right. So it might seem really simple, but I was going through that at age seven and age eight and, yeah. you know, the whole time. You were just born to be a creative of something. I mean, little by little, the community was helping me along the way, you know. Yeah. Um, just made you who you are. So um, I think that was a really fun aspect of, of, um, the folk school. And then I would say in terms of the business side of it, I was traveling a lot and I always had my knitting with me. Um, my parents would drive me to the airport and I'd put my backpack on my back and my mom would shove a ball of yarn and knitting needles into the side pocket. Like, Oh, wait, 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 you know, don't forget you're knitting, you know, like what? So I realized that this was a way to make things and travel at the same time. A lot of craft, you need a studio and you need a home base. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, you can take photographs and you can write and you can play music and dance. There are certain things, crafts and creativity that you can travel with, but it was definitely a connection to home. And so I would call my mom from college or from Denmark and I would be like, well, I'm at the top of the sweater, but I don't know how to make the, you know, the shoulders into sleeves. And I remember there was this, so it was so funny because you have to, you have to knit one side and then turn the work around and get to the other side and you do it in the opposite direction. And on the phone, she's like, okay, now you turn the work around and your work around. And I just was like, turning around and holding the phone and like what do you mean turn the work around because I had never really learned it and I'm trying to learn it over the phone so you know through all the laughter she finally explained what she meant and then I went on you know with the rest of the sweater um and that was something I took with me to Madrid and and wherever I might I might go I mean, you were just, again, so well-rounded and the fact that you've been to so many countries, I mean, do you, do you know off the top of your head, how many countries you've been to? I have not counted. <laughs> That's how many. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can look at the globe and be like, I haven't been to that area. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, uh, this year we've had to stop traveling, but mm-hmm. I was, I was really, um, a traveler for many, many years. Yeah. Oh, traveling is something my husband and I do. Our, our theme of our wedding was travel and we just, we love it so much, but the places you've been like London and Denmark and you, did you do study abroad there or you? Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Because I've always wanted to do that. And I highly suggest anyone in college or, or whenever you're able, just please go travel when it's safe. And you taught English and, in Spain, like what? That's so. Well, so what I was trying to do, and we're talking about if, you know, somebody's in college is I was trying to find a program or a network or a community Mm-hmm. I love doing two days in a youth hostel and jumping on the train and going mm-hmm. somewhere else, but that's a different form of travel. So when, when I was growing up, my dad was the one who really instilled traveling and um, e- exploration of cultures around the world. And so when I was in college, that, that was like, I am going to study abroad. I mean, that's why you go to college, right? <laughs> so, um, so I did a semester in London and I remember when I got back to school, I wanted to turn right around and do another semester in Italy, you know? <laughs> You're like, no, America's boring. Let me go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. I was like, can I turn this into a degree somehow? Yeah. Um, so, and then when I graduated from college, I wanted to learn, but I didn't want to do any more academics. I was sick of writing papers and studying. And so Denmark um, was actually a folk school. So I went to one of their folk schools um, for half a year and their folk school was around sports. And I grew up, you know, playing all the sports. My school was so small that everybody had to play everything. Like you were on every team. (laughs) Yes. Cause there wouldn't be a basketball team if I dropped out and there wouldn't have been a soccer team if I didn't play. And there wouldn't have been a, you know, softball team if, you know, two of us quit. So, um, so that was the school in Denmark and, and they took us to Chamonix to go hiking. They took us to Little Hammer to go skiing wow. and it was a community. So, um, it was kind of the same way for Spain. It was, I went over there and I started a certification program while I was there. And so I met all the other students and we helped each other through the interviews and, you know, how to open a bank account when you hardly speak the language and, yeah. and all of that. So, um, I would really encourage anybody who wants to travel, but they're too scared. Don't think about doing it all by yourself where you're that seven-year-old that gets on the train, you know, mm-hmm. find a community where you can offer something to them and a way to give back and, um, and it just gets you in the door and, and you can stay longer and all those things. So what a great lesson. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping people can start traveling soon and making, you know, tourism a thing again, where we go to a different country and we just take it all in and explore and learn and realize, you know, our problems are, are really not our whole world, you know, like, oh my gosh, I don't have the new iPhone. Seriously, go to go to some of the places that you've been and tell me that your phone matters because at the end of the day, running water matters. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I just I, I feel like it humbles you so much. It humbles you and connects you. And um, I feelings like that where you come home again. Um, there's for me, it was never that I was judging my home culture. I was just 
observing it in a different way. And then when you have another example of life, you can really choose what you want to do and how you want to do it. Yeah. I feel like that's something that I wish I could for my clients specifically, and just like my whole world of, of connections and community, I wish we could all just go travel the whole world because in that, you know, it humbles you and makes you count your blessings. It also makes you so aware of what the world and what other countries are going through. Like we're all on the same earth. We are all sharing one earth. And I feel like when you do all the primal things you like you've done with your hands and the dance and just the travel, like you understand what most people don't. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to you and why so many people are going to be drawn to this episode is because, you know, like you've seen it, you've, you've experienced not real life, but real life. Like this is real. Yeah. And this is the, the things that matter where you just said, like you get to choose what kind of lifestyle you want. And you learn that based on the schools you went to and the opportunities and the places you've traveled. You just didn't, you're not going to settle because you know what feels good. So. And there've been, you know, nuggets of information dropped on me along the way. I remember my mom saying, you know, if you show up with a song or a dance or a, a something to share that you'll always, you know, have a place because yeah. there people are just so interested in connecting. Yeah. And she said one funny thing, if you're, you know, if you're a musician, you'll never go hungry, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, because you'll show up to the party and everybody will feed you because you're, you're singing and playing tunes and yeah. You know. You're providing, you're providing right. a service, whether you think so or not, whether you're an artist, a dancer, just a creative in any aspect, you, you have something to offer the world that somebody else thinks is cool. I promise. And then these little moments happen where you, you can't even explain the cozy synchronicity that's happening. Yeah. Um, there was one time, um, another great organization is Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. And I went to India for a month or six weeks working with them. And we went to an orphanage and we were hanging out and we had a meal and they had told us before we got there, if there's anything you can share with us, that would be awesome. And they had a little mm -hmm. stage. And so I was like, well, I can do some clogging and everybody looked at me and they were just like, well, what is that? You know? Yeah. And so I had to first explain what it was. And then a friend of mine had never played old time music, but he could play the Beatles. So he played a Beatles tune on the guitar and I clogged. <laughs> and by the end of it, everybody was trying to dance and clog and shuffle their feet. And these were little kids in India who literally did not know this culture at all. But guess what? Everybody was smiling. So. Let's just take a quick second to talk about one of my favorite things, book club. Are you the type of person who enjoys reading self-growth and personal development books? Are you always buying a book, reading a few chapters, and putting it back on the shelf? Do you find yourself losing momentum to finish a book or sitting and wishing you had someone like-minded to share thoughts with? Well, I have the perfect solution for you. Unfolding Connections Book Club membership was created specifically for like-minded, high-vibe humans like yourself to read self-growth, leadership, and personal development books each month. We meet twice a month virtually, discuss our favorite quotes, share personal connections, and actually implement what we are reading and learning from amazing authors and coaches. Unfolding Connections also has a private Facebook community for all members to connect even further throughout each month. 
How amazing would it be to finish a book front to back, make new friends, drink wine, and connect on a much needed, deeper, and intellectual level? We start a new book at the beginning of every month. What are you waiting for? You can sign up anytime on talstips.com slash unfolding connections. That's T-A-L-S-T-I-P-S dot com slash unfolding connections. Oh, that's so powerful. I just want that to sink in for a second because I feel that and I can see that happening and people are just so lucky to have you. And I feel like we need more people like you where you're creative and you're, you're okay with it. And you're not trying to fight it anymore. You're just like, this is who I am. I'm a creative human and I'm an artist and I'm a dancer and I'm a musician and I'm all these amazing things that are scary quote-unquote scary but like you just do them it just embodies that's who you are and when you take it to someone else anybody else whether it's in America India Denmark London Spain wherever you're you're connecting and that's that's also what I want people to take away from any podcast episode any conversation book club anything I do is connection is everything to me and Mm -hmm. it's it keeps it keeps me going and it keeps everybody going when you make that connection and you make someone smile just based off of something you think is normal normal life for you and you know what I you know I teach a lot and what I try to get my students to understand is everything is a mini performance Mm -hmm. and if you just do it over and over and over again, when you get that big performance moment, you won't be as afraid and you won't, you won't back down and you won't say, I can't do it because you have practiced your many performances over and over again. And I just really, really try to instill that into my students. Like when I teach clogging and flat footing, um, you, you move your body, it can get really silly and goofy. And so, um, I say to my students, because they have to get over the fear of just like kicking their knees up and jumping and all that. And I'm like, listen, when you decide you are a clogger, then you are one. And so it just really helps. And, um, whether it's teaching knitting, you know, you're really struggling in the beginning and that learning curve is when, all those emotions come out because you get so mad and you get so frustrated and then you get frustrated at yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're so frustrated at yourself, it might turn into frustration to the teacher, you know, and, and to the outside world. And so I try to really push people through that uncomfortable learning part um, because then you're going down the hill, then you're relaxing, then you're mindful. Um, And then you're opening your door to creating things that you didn't even know were possible. Right. Yeah. It's almost like aligning, you know, that's what I talk about all the time is like, you just play, you just, you just play. And I have a program launching in mid-March and it's again, practice makes purpose. That's like all my program is. And it's just playing. You just play. And that's exactly what you do is you just play with your passions and, it is your purpose that, you know, you're embodying who you are and you're aligning. And once you do that, I feel like everything else kind of just becomes simple and falls into place and you don't fight it anymore. You just like surrender to it. So, so I really want to touch on that too. Like, 
And I also want to touch on what you teach. Cause I know you, you teach multiple things. So let's, let's start with that. Like how, what do you teach? I know you, you mentioned clogging and flat footing, but like, do you also teach knitting and everything else? Cause I think, I think we've mentioned that before in our, in our meetings together. Yes, I do. I teach knitting and, um, within the knitting world, I teach beginning knitting. Um, I also teach knitting in the round. So if you want to go from a scarf to a hat, then you need to learn how to knit it in a circle and connect it eventually. Um, and then I've kind of knitted one of everything, setters, socks, um, each thing that you try to knit kind of uses a new skill. And then I also teach spinning, how to make yarn. And I have been an assistant instructor in a lot of classes. So I've learned a lot about natural dyeing and I'm getting more interested in that. All teachers, I think we want to really know our craft before we start teaching it. Mm. Um, there's a whole nother world of natural dyeing. And then I also play old time fiddle. And so I've taught fiddle lessons and, um, you know, in terms of teaching, I guess the other would be, would be dance. I have done school of dance type stuff. I worked at a school in New Orleans for two years where I was the elementary academy dance teacher. And we did everything from yoga to ballet to tap mm -hmm. um, and hip hop. But generally I teach more traditional forms of dance um, like Appalachian square dancing or um, flat footing and clogging. And I, um, I've heard it dis discussed different ways. I think I teach more what we can do in everyday life. You know, um, you might not necessarily do point ballet mm -hmm. on a daily setting, but you could, you know, swing your partner and do a little square dance with your friends if you felt like it. Yeah. Um, so we, we do a lot of like weddings and, and different events and little concerts, you know, in normal life when we can have events. Right. What's that like? It's been so long. <laughs> I know. But yeah, I mean, I dance was always a part of my life. And I think now that I'm not taking classes or I'm not, you know, buying the shoes or or anything like that, it's just fun. It's just fun. And music is fun and just the things that bring you joy. And so I encourage anyone listening, like just dance, just go and dance around your kitchen or your living room or mm -hmm. and just put on some music and dance. No one, no one's watching, you know? Right. And right. And guaranteed to make you feel better when you're done. Always, always yes. guaranteed to make you feel better. I always have dance parties with my book club or with my group coaching program ladies. It's so fun because it puts me in a better mind, mindset and headspace and just raises your vibration and your energy and everyone around you can just tell, even if you're not dancing, even if you're just sitting there bobbing your head, you, you know, you know, you like it. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. We know we like it and we might not know why. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've found it really interesting. I've been reading different things and the people who are trying to study why we like it so much, you know, yeah. and there's, I've done some ensemble work and a teacher that I had, she, um, Sharon Leahy, she's a great choreographer. She would make the ensemble kind of jog together with the same rhythm, even though it was in the dance studio. And we would snake around and we would make different patterns because your heartbeat then starts to connect with your ensemble. 
And um, some people think that that that's just should happen. How can you be an ensemble if you don't get your heartbeats together? So um, all of those things I find to be really fascinating. That is really fascinating. I've never even thought about a study like that, but that's so helpful to know. Like we all need to be in the same vibration or the frequency and rhythm together so that we're all feeling similar in that, in that same If you're feeling a little bit depressed, you can call your friend who can jog with you Mm. and it literally physically will bring you up, lift you up, you know? It's that connection again is so important that we don't even realize that, you know, we're having this conversation right now in real time, but people are going to be listening to it and start thinking of listening to music or jogging and doing it. So hopefully we together, you know, can bring this vibration into their ears and create, you know, a, a little bit more of a upbeat environment and just lifestyle because this is, this, these are the things, the things that you do and the things that we've talked about are what matters. Like you also do photography and cooking and all of those other amazing things that are tools, but you enjoy them and they, they get your heartbeat going and they make you excited and make you feel alive. And that's, that's what it's all about. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like some of our modern day life is an expectation to, to always be visible or I was thinking about being an entrepreneur, right? We're, we're up against that every day. And we're like, well, if nobody has bought a hat from me, it's because I'm not visible enough, you know, Mm -hmm. and we, we push and pull and push and pull. And then one day I thought about it and I was like, there is nothing wrong with that, that connection and that sharing that like is never visible, you know, like if you're running with a friend or if you're cooking, the meal for your family and you're doing it just out of that connection with that one person, you know, as long as you just try to find those connections. And as long as we say, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling disconnected, you know, what's happening out there. And then, and then you make that one step forward and, and you go find somebody who can offer you something or, you know, inspire you in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with knitting and with craft, um, I really, really love when people, I, I see a click in them that they're going to mm-hmm. become a lifelong knitter. Because I always say, if you knit, you're never lonely, you oh, know? Yeah. You can always find company in this hat. And then guess what? You can give it to somebody mm-hmm. and you can see them wearing it. And you're like, wow, you think it's good enough for you to wear, you know? Yeah. Well, I know I, I follow your, your Instagram and you've posted some of your, you know, your clients, I guess, or the people you've made hats for and they're wearing them. And you're like, this is why I do it. You know, it's, it's, it's never for me or you it's for them, you know, like we're not entrepreneurs for ourselves. I mean, yeah, it could help, but like you really do it to serve and to provide for other people. And and again, we've learned this through Kathy Heller, the, the connection, you know, like it's an energetic exchange that you're giving to them because it's made of love and, and, and sheep, <laughs> but yeah. love mainly <laughs> she, the sheep love it too. They get a nice little haircut, but yeah. it's just, I think it's just so important to remember that you are creating something for someone and providing them warmth. Yeah. And there's so many times where 
those naysayers pop up and we've got them in, in every industry. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, somebody could say to me, like, why are you even trying to shear a sheep and make the yarn and then knit it? And it's your own knitwear design that you made. And then you're trying to sell it, you know? And I'm just like, I just want to give them an example of this energy that's out there, you know, because if I didn't do that, then I'd have to go work at Best Buy. (laughs) Let's just take a quick break. Have you been thinking about switching careers, but not sure where to start? What about needing a complete resume reboot? Marika from Reworded helps individuals seeking resume, cover letter, or LinkedIn assistance. If you or someone you know needs the ultimate career services package, Marika is your girl. Use promo code TAL20 for $20 off on Marika's website, reworded.com. That's spelled R-E-W-R-D-E-D.com using code TAL20 for $20 off. This code is useful for her career services only. Right. Or have this other job where I'm changing myself to adapt to the job. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in addition to what speaks to us. But if I can make somebody understand the value of the hat, I, th- I think I do change their world a little bit. Um, I had a lady message me on Facebook and, and they were reminiscing. There was a group picture that we took after a dance camp and I was teaching flat footing and knitting at this camp. And it was the middle of the winter in upstate New York. By the end of the week, hiking between the buildings and all that, we like so many people bought the hats and then we go to the dining hall and there were more of my hats in there. So we took a group picture at the end of the week and this lady was saying, when I lost my Emelyn hat, I just bawled, you know, and I was like, oh, no, we got to get you another one. Um, and then just telling stories about about their Emelyn hat. Wow. And I was like, I woke up one morning to that. And I was like, oh, they're talking about their Emelyn hats, you know, and um, it just enlivens my world too to have that. So awesome. I love that. And Normally I ask this question, but I feel like I don't even have to, but I will anyway, just in case you have anything to add about, you know, finding that permission to start a business of your own or just follow your passion so strongly that you create, you know, a business out of it and you sell it and you get money in exchange for it. And it's just like the craziest thing in the world to think about. How did you even, how did you give yourself that? But I feel like I feel like I already know the answer. Like you were just born into it and you were given that from childhood, but what's your answer? (laughs) Well, I think, um, the, the community in the childhood definitely gave me an interest in who we are and, and how we make things. And so I went on to study American studies and creative writing and that at the time I didn't think about it, but I think that's a definite connection Mm -hmm. to my childhood. And then from there, I would say these examples that I had around me of people making an income and they had a living. And I took a jewelry class at Penland School of Crafts, which is another craft school in the mountains of North Carolina. And my teacher, she explained, somebody asked her, well, do you make a lot of money? Now, granted, you make more money making jewelry than you do hats. I'll, I'll, I'll bet you on that one. Yeah. But she said, 
um, you know, you might not have a life full of riches, but you'll have a rich life. And so it just, it's those little things that just set in. And then I would say the permission side of it, I would just say, be comfortable with some risk, be comfortable not knowing where your paycheck's going to come from. And I've had months where my paycheck came from 50 different people mm, yeah. instead of that one person and that one company in that one place. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know where the 50 paychecks are going to trickle in from, right. um, but they eventually start happening. And so the, the permission side of it is real. It is real. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we're afraid of what we want the most. Um, and you know, my mom, she definitely said, if you, if you go hungry, come home and I'll feed you, you know? (laughs) So I've had support. I definitely have had support along the way. Yeah. I think just hearing about your parents, they sound incredible and they sound like, you know, a parent I aspire to be one day where I am just giving to my child. I'm like, do whatever you want. What looks good today? What sounds good? What are you drawn to? I support you. Go to, go to this country for six months. I don't care. Do whatever you want because I love you. And I want you to experience all that this beautiful life has to offer. And that is so amazing and so needed. And I love that because this is an example for so many people listening of what we could do with our lives with, for our children's lives. And it, directly affected you. And now you have a successful knitting company, you know, and you're able to provide people, like I said, with warmth. And that is just so beautiful. And I really want to touch on also just because you've, you've really just, there's so many things I could say about you, but you are a lifelong artist and just creative. And when you said in your, in your bio that I read about being an art advocate, I'm like, I've never actually heard that term before, but that is so accurate. I might've made it up. (laughs) I'm totally, I'm in, you know, I love that. I think (laughs) I'm enforcing that into my vocabulary because art advocacy, like that is a whole genre. I feel like that needs to be explored of just not only just education about all these different arts of the world, but also, you know, what matters and you've seen it and you've seen the impact that a hat could make, that music can make, that dance could make and all of the art and what difference it could make in someone's life. So I too am now an art advocate, Evelyn. Thank (laughs) you. So cool. So I always, always, and I, I always dread wrapping these up, but I love to leave it on the most highest note ever, unless there's anything else you want to talk about before you give us your Emmeline tip. Is there anything else you want to mention <laughs> before we go into the, the very famous tip part of the show? <laughs> I feel like I could talk about these things and tell stories about light bulb moments yeah. in experience. I could go on and on. So, I mean, I, I think what, what I really want for the audience to take away is just embodying who you are and you've done that. So, I mean, if there's any story that comes to mind about traveling, about college, about just childhood or anything that goes back to just embodying who you are and really trusting yourself, you can share that with us. I mean, I would say, um, 
I I get little moments of epiphanies. Yeah. I love epiphanies. I love small world stories. I love all that. And and I when I think a thought pops up, I mm-hmm. I think all of us should take time to ponder that. Um, to really think about it because something in us is trying to make us look at it and, Mm -hmm. and, and they get, you know, we get the thought. Um, and some of it has just been that if you are drawn to something, it's almost like our first reaction is be like, well, I shouldn't do that because I can't, I can't make money at that, you know, but we're drawn to things very naturally as younger kids. It's also that we care about them. Um, but if you can give them something to take home, like they learned how, how to fold a piece of paper that way, or they learned that, you know, you can draw something, you can smudge the paper with dirt and then draw around it. And you've got a beautiful teddy bear or little ways to keep kids company and, um, give them permission. And if, if I provided that for any of those kids, then my job was well done. And I think moving forward, if you're interested in making things, people are like, well, nobody cares. You can go to Walmart and you can go and buy it over there. It's so cheap over there, but there, there's so much more value when you're deciding to spend your time doing it. Mm. And there's so much knowledge there that I think has been forgotten. It's less mainstream. Um, you know, I did a spinning demonstration and a reporter came up and said, Ooh, this is interesting. I'm going to put you in the newspaper. And I said, well, I'd rather, you know, I'd like, I'd rather be the story, you know, than, than read the story in a way. Um, (laughs) so we did the interview and in the picture, it was real nice, but then underneath it, he called me a spinster (laughs) instead of like a spinner. And I was, I was like, well, we'll get one of each, won't we? But it's because it's, it's a, it's a craft that people don't see. Mm. And so I, I did spend time as a teenager thinking, I'm not going to do any of these things because it's just all weird. Mm. But it's not wildly accepted. And that's right. why you should do it in the first place, you know? <laughs> but it might be why we think we, we shouldn't because it's not as wildly accepted, you know? Yes. But now when I sit down with a spinning wheel, um, there tons of people will come up and the curiosity's back um you know we have angora rabbits and you you can brush them and spin it directly into the spinning wheel and they'll sit on our laps and my mom taught me that carnival trick when i was a kid <laughs> and uh you know she's got all all kinds of um so cool. things yeah so no, i would i would encourage people find a mentor um, find somebody intergenerationally that can teach you something from the old days, reach back as far as you can in your community to the oldest part of history, you know, like connect yourself to where you live in that history. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's always so, it's just so interesting because history definitely repeats itself. And it's very interesting to have a thought and you're like, where did the scissor come from? Like, let me look it up. And like, obviously we Google everything, every, every possible thought we could Google seriously. Like, why am I like this? You could Google it and (laughs) it might not be accurate, but you could. And then just figuring out, you know, maybe I can make my own scissor or a different type of scissor, or, I mean, I'm just looking at scissors at the moment, but like Mm -hmm. it, it came from somewhere, someone invented it. And if, 
if someone invented it, then who says you can't invent the next best thing or something that, you know, is just so original that you've always wanted and giving yourself that permission to think about it first, Mm -hmm. which I think is kind of what you're touching on. Like give yourself that time to ponder and actually enjoy the thought instead of just being like, no, that's dumb. That'll never make money. Why would I waste my time? Blah, 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 blah. Instead of going down that awful spiral that we do. Yeah. And you could say to yourself, wait a second, I had this thought. Mm-hmm. Like, just do that for yourself first. Give yourself a little bit of grace because you've had the thought. You had the thought. Yeah. It's in your head. You had it, yeah. you know? So don't don't spiral as quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know what the quote says exactly, but in January, in January, we read in my book club, Everything is Figureoutable by Marie Forleo. And she had this amazing quote and I literally... I will never forget it. And I don't know what it, the word, the verbiage is exactly, but it's, it's around, you know, if, if you thought of the dream or there's no reason you can't do the dream because it's already inside of you. And when it's inside of you, you already have the tools to get it done no matter what. And so that just stuck with me so strongly because I'm like, if I have this thought that I want to do this, or I want to create this, or I should try this out. Just do it because for some reason it popped in your head and there's no reason you should doubt. You know, we're taught doubt. We're we're taught these awful negative things to do. So pretend you didn't learn doubt for 5 seconds and just try it and just have fun with it and you know, take a clogging class and go dance in your living room and just do travel when you can and Oh, I'm just, I'm taking so much away from this episode, seriously, but I really love that. And I really love that you mentioned, you know, your parents so many times because they really do deserve so much credit for being just not afraid, not afraid to live that untraditional life and, you know, take their kids with them to the mountains and live the mountain life where it's, it's a little more simple and people are a little nicer and it's just a little bit more culturally driven where you can play folk music and sleep under the piano when you're tired you know yeah and I it it breaks my heart when people say that young kids are bored Mm. and I'm just like wow like (laughs) if you could spend a day with me on the farm (laughs) you will not be bored (laughs) I love that. And, you know, my mom would say that to us because, of course, during the summertime, you've eaten all the popsicles. There's just nothing else to do, you know, (laughs) and we would say, I'm bored. And she would be like, you are not. So they would do little things like they gave me a journal when I was really little. And I remember I didn't really know what to do with it. It was a bunch of blank pages. And um, I started drawing in them. And then I said to my mom, I want another journal. And she said, you can't have it until it's all filled up. So fill up every page. So I literally drew a line down each page so that I could get my new journal, you know, ah. but, but that, that just was one little spark that led to the other. And I've been writing journals my whole life um, with a creative writing interest that I have. Yeah. Um, so they both made choices to, to go like to do these things. Um, they bought land, they had to save up money, they had to move their family to the mountains. Um, 
my dad got his PhD in Chinese politics. Wow. What? And then ended up living on a sheep farm with his wife who plays the banjo. (laughs) Nothing to do with Chinese politics. Um, But the reason I'm saying that is just they have made choices for for the life they wanted to live. Mm -hmm. And so that was the example that we had. Mm -hmm. And you you just do a little every day to build upon that. And um, you stop and reflect, you know, and we keep growing and keep learning and we need to keep growing as we age so that that excitement is always right there with us. I teach a lot of adults and, um, and I love it. I was thinking of two best friends who came and taught, they took a clogging class and they learned from absolute beginner. And I had a whole box of dresses clogging dresses not that I like to ham it up with the big dresses but I have them there as an option and we did a performance at the end of the camp and they were wearing matching dresses and they were promenading together and they could not stop smiling oh just things just things like that and we can create that out of thin air yeah poof you know that's that's an art advocate right there I love it yeah (laughs) yeah it is So what is, what is something that you offer? Like, how can someone reach out to you and what, like, what could you offer to our listeners today? Well, if you want to see people wearing hats, mm-hmm. um, and, um, so the roving knitter at, um, on Facebook and Instagram and.com and Emily Leiden, um, I have, music videos and I have bands and I have all of that but basically the roving knitter if you googled that you could find me and um if you have questions about the folk school or if you have questions about just supplies and learning crafts and um anything like that so usually over hanging around the roving knitter (laughs) awesome awesome well I definitely think people will We'll search for you and connect with you regardless if it's for a hat or for some awesome, you know, creativity on your end. But to wrap it up, was there any last tip for Tal's Tips Empowerment Podcast? But today is Emmeline's tip. So is there any other tip you could leave us with today? I just don't even want to let you go, but. <laughs> <laughs> Emmeline's tip. Hmm. I guess based on what we've talked about is just listen to your heart, listen to yourself and let yourself speak to you and, and seek out mentors, seek out information, find somebody who can teach you something and build a relationship with them. Um, A lot of the folk arts and crafts are still alive and well, and you learn a lot of that by catching it, you know, it's caught, not taught. Mm. So you can put yourself in, in front of other people, sit at their knees, get on their porch, (laughs) um, and really reach out. And there are a lot of people in Western North Carolina and all over the world who will open their doors to you. And I think that we just need to remember that. Awesome. I I feel that so deeply. And I just want to thank you for coming on today because 
I really needed this conversation and I really needed to clearly know more about you. And I am so glad that you could share just a little bit of what you've been through and what you know, because I'm sure there's so much. And I would honestly love to have you back in like a year and like see how many hats you've sold and just, just keep connecting on that level, because there's always going to be so many people that, that need, you know, the folk arts and all of the things that you do. So Thank you so much. I'm seriously so honored to know you and I can't wait to see what you do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you too, Talia. And thank you for all the good questions. You had some very insightful questions today. So I really appreciate that. And also the connection that we've made with made to do this in our group. And I'm excited for all of us moving forward. Yes, me too. Thank you all so much for listening. It seriously means so, so much to me that you are spending your time wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through in life, you're taking the time to listen to my life and the guests that we have on here. And we're all just connecting on that level. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you or someone you know would like to be featured on Tal's Tips Empowerment Podcast, please just email talstips at gmail.com. Again, that's T-A-L-S-T-I-P-S at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to talstips.com for all updates on worksheets, book club, and coaching programs. Again, thank y'all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.